Hi guys, welcome back. I'm your host, Jacqueline. If you're new to the podcast, don't forget to subscribe as we have some new and exciting things in the works, which I will be announcing very soon. This podcast highlights women of color who are entrepreneurs and creatives, and we focus on getting you through the transition process from feeling stuck to taking actions on your dreams. I am I'm so excited today. I know I say that a lot, but this one is really special. We have Z Lopez of Vida Therapy, a family and marriage therapist. We talk vulnerability after trauma, how to identify that you're even in transition, what it's like to serve the Latino community, and what it's like to be a woman of color in therapy, and so much more. We even give you a feel of what it's like to maybe be in therapy with Z as I open up about my journey and Z gives me some tips that may be helpful to you as well. Again, if you like what you've been hearing, follow our guests and share the podcast. And now, on to our guest. Of course. So I think in reflection to that, what comes up for me is my recent transition from working, you know, that quote unquote, that 40 hour work week, that nine to five for a nonprofit uh, department of mental health agency to being my own owner of private practice. And what is it that like finally made you make that decision? What what was that shift for you? Can you describe your journey for us? Absolutely. So that journey starts years back, but just as a mental health professional currently, as a woman of color, as somebody that's Spanish speaking, that serves Latino clients, there's not many options for mental health professionals when they get out of school. And what I mean by that is it's either you go work for a department of mental health county agency, you're overworked and underpaid, or you go to private practice. And many private practices are owned by societies that don't really understand what community mental health is or working with populations of color. So there are very few owners of private practice that are of color that are successful and can hold it down for supervisors. Not only that, of learning how to run a private practice. So because of these limitations, I am very forward thinking and I like to think into the future that I want to provide that for people in the future. I want to be that agency. I want to be that private practice that people can come to. Yes, still work with la comunidad, work with la gente, and still get what they need, also learning business and how it works. So that is a bit about my transition. And in doing so, it was tough. And I think what really helped me get through that was knowing the tools I needed in my toolbox. And by that, I mean, a year before I opened up private practice, I started seeing my therapist and a coach. And in combination to both, I had the tools to where when I got licensed and I opened up my own private practice and left county, I didn't walk, I didn't run, I hit the ground running. And because I was ready, I was prepared with the tools I needed emotionally, physically, business-wise, everything. So you just answered some questions that I was going to ask you, like, what are some steps? <laughs> What's going to help us? And I always love when that happens, that I have these questions in my head. And then um, my guests end up answering them. So my question for you is, can you give us an example of, you know, obviously you said having a team really helped you. What if you don't know that you're going into transition? Like, what would be some, like, key factors to recognizing that you're going into transition and then if you don't have the ability to get a therapist or a coach like where can you actually find that support 
Absolutely. That's a great question. And I think that happens with a lot of people. So the first thing in identifying a transition is knowing, do I have any type of impairments? Are things not feeling right the same way? Three top things I always look for is this. The body speaks much louder than the mind does. When the mind doesn't want to listen, the body screams, listen to me. And for transitions, the main uh-ohs or red flags we want to look for is your sleep. Sleep is your number one indicator that something's not right or the shift is too much for us in transition. So you're either sleeping way more than you should. So let's say a person's regular sleep pattern is seven to eight hours. If they're sleeping 12 hours, that's, that's a big red flag. Or if they're only sleeping four, five hours when normally they get eight, that's a big leeway into something's not right. Mm-hmm. So looking at your sleep hygiene, right? The second we want to look at is our appetite. Are we having too little appetite diminished or are we having overly amounts of appetite? Are we eating way past the I'm bored? It's because I don't want to have these feelings of X, whatever it is, I'm eating. So that's number two. And number three is actual physical symptoms. What is our body telling us? You know, one of my favorite resources for this is Louise Hayes. And Louise Hayes, you know, she passed away last year. And she tells us that our body is an indicator of what we're not saying. It's literally like the saying in Spanish, lo lo tragamos. We swallow our sorrow. And in saying that, let's suppose that a person is going through transitions, but they don't know it. But for the longest, every single day, regardless if they get a massage or they have heat pads, their back still hurts tremendously to where it is a big part of their day. To me, that's saying that you are carrying way too many problems or way too much on your shoulders at the moment. That could be highly correlated with the shift. And now as far as support, who would be probably the first person that you would go to if there isn't, or if you... Like in the Latino community, I know that there's people that are informed that you can get get a therapist. I think now we're a little bit more open. But for those who may not be as open, what would be the first step to going to someone or talking to someone or even to themselves? Like what can they do for themselves if there is no if there's not someone that they can reach out to? Yeah. And, you know, just in speaking very frankly and transparently about the Latino community, therapy is a no-no. Like you only go to therapy si estás loco or if there's only a, you know, a death in the family or something. So it's for a lot of people, that's the last priority or the last resort. Mm -hmm. So understanding that, this is what I would say. For tools, follow the path of success. Look at other people that you know of and see what they have used or what they're doing currently to help themselves along in the process. So I like to say this openly, and it's pretty funny and humorous, that secretly Oprah's my mentor. She just doesn't know it. So I, I look at Oprah's moves and what she's doing and what she's trying, and I love how she's open and says, you know, from time to time, I literally just have to take a time out, have some tea, and read one chapter a day. I don't have to finish the whole book, but just one chapter. And that helps me further understand that it's okay to have compassion for myself. It, the more and more that we speak out as Latinos, as Latinx community, we'll know that there are other Latinos out there rocking it. And it is possible to have this beautiful balance of health and business prospering. So just going back to some of the steps, I think it's so important to recognize I a lot of the times we're struggling with things mentally and we're able to refuse those things, right? We're just able to swallow them, like you said. So I think it's important to go back and go through those steps to really think about what are things that are happening physically because you can't deny that, right? That's happening more on the outside. Like you're not getting enough sleep, your appetite is changing, and there are physical symptoms. 
And then you were you talk about that in the Latino community, you were saying that's still a no-no. I guess to me, maybe because I'm okay with it, I think that more people are, or maybe I surround myself with, with Latinas and women of color who are open to therapy. Um, is that still a thing that it's, it's a big no? Because I do have, I mean, I think one friend <laughs> that it's not, it's not a thing for them. They're still kind of like not really, it's a, it's a no-no thing for them. So how would you approach someone that you feel may benefit from therapy, whether it's a family member or someone in your community, but do it in a way that maybe they'll be more open or you're not going to them saying, hey, you're crazy or there's something wrong with how would you approach that? Yeah, like it's so yummy. It's so fantastic for personal growth. A lot of the years I got like, oh, no, well, you go. You have fun with that. <laughs> and the more and more they saw me grow and just flourish in all areas of my life, they started being inquisitive. They started asking me questions. And it's exactly like this. It's exactly when, you know, you're talking with your homegirl, you're talking with your girls, and they say, hey, girl, what you do this weekend? You say, girl... I found this amazing place with these great sandwiches. And they say, girl, where'd you go? They start asking you questions. Mm -hmm. And then you say like, well, you know, I had mustard and I had tomato and lettuce. And they're like, where is this place? I want to go. I want to try the sandwich you had. It's the same thing with any type of services. So what I say is come from a place of role modeling. Come with examples. So people who are speaking out now much more in the open about mental health within the Latino community that they get therapy or they, you know, they have coaches, they have personal development courses that they're going to, it helps others be much more open to it. It's just like celebrities. When they come out and they talk about it, then people are like, oh, if they do it, I can do it. See others around and see what are they doing? What role models, what examples can I provide to my loved one so they may at least explore that option? At the end of the day, we are not responsible for what people choose to do or say or think, but we can invite them into what is healthy for them. Whether or not they decide to do it is up to them. So what would you recommend now that, you know, you've done that, right? Now that you're starting to have a conversation in your community and people are interested, where would you recommend they go where they can find someone that they're comfortable with? Someone in the Latino community that's a therapist, because I think finding you would be perfect them right because you understand where they're coming from you understand their struggles but say someone is in another city or you know they're looking in their community and they're not seeing that what would be the right steps for someone to look for a therapist and then also if you can tell us you know if this is your first time I think a lot of people think oh well any therapist and if they're not you know they're great but it's a relationship that you're building right it's also like like you're dating so like let me go talk to someone and see what's the right fit so where will we find a therapist that fits our community? And number two, how do we find the right therapy therapist for us? Yes, this was the same journey I had started. And just to be transparent, I had the same conclusion. I was like, I'm not finding clinicians that are females or of color. So my first therapist was actually male and not of my culture or of my race. So I definitely grew with them, but I still had that yearning for somebody to understand my culture. Now we have these great resources. So the first one is another podcast of a colleague that is super amazing, and it's um, Therapy for Latin X. And the podcast definitely speaks about different topics in therapy. And there's also a resource online that a, as well, um, a colleague of mine has created that is super amazing, and it's an entire resource for over right now like thousands of latino therapists that speak spanish so the first thing i want to recommend is always go online 
and just literally type in what you're looking for. Therapist that speaks Spanish or therapy that um, is working with Latinx. So that's a great resource to have. Another is to look around and see what is in your community. A lot of Chamber of Congress or anything having to do with networking will know people. Your biggest resource is your network. So asking people around you. Therapy is kind of like this hush-hush thing where people may be in therapy, but they don't share it openly. So the first thing I think is vulnerability. Being vulnerable enough to one, ask for help, but two, say what it is you're looking for. Hey guys, you know, um, I definitely want to work on my communication within my relationship. I'm looking for a couples therapist. Does anybody know? And then out of the woodworks, you'll see people coming out saying, hey, actually three years ago, we worked through this. We worked through the loss of our child. We worked through the loss of a job. And then they share those resources with you. People are much more kind in this world than we think. People are much more willing to help and lend a hand to others. Speaking about being vulnerable, and we're going to shift the conversation a little bit. I did a podcast, like a solo podcast, um, before speaking on, I actually just released it, speaking on like seeing my future self, right? Because yeah. I'm struggling with transition and everything that's that's happening now. And I think, you know, just when I'm, I'm getting the right, I'm navigating, everything is, you know, kind of falling into place, something else comes up. The reason that something keeps coming up is because I may not be vulnerable enough or open enough. You know, I'm kind of keeping all this stuff to myself. So I did a podcast where I talked about like the future self what that future self would look like. And I just did that for myself. I didn't do it for the podcast. I just did it because I wanted to feel how that woman felt in the future, right? What she had gone through, what is it that she finally got that allowed her to be living her dream life. And what ended up happening is that I realized that a lot of fear was holding me back. Um, being vulnerable was probably one of the biggest things. And it was because I grew up in trauma. And we always say, you know, if you, if you want to succeed, always be scared. If you want to succeed, you know, sometimes you're going to be fearful. Um, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be open. But I noticed that in that transition where you're stepping into the darkness, right, to figure out who this new person is, you let go of, you know, who you were, you open yourself up to who you can be. And at the same time, you're facing like all these demons that are, that you may not have dealt with. And in reading a book, it's called Transitions. In reading that book, he talks about that if you have things in the past that where you had a big transition, you look at the steps, the things that happened, the way you dealt with it. And that kind of tells the future on how you'll always deal with transition. Do you face it? Do you run away? Do you deny it? Like everyone has different things that they do. And so I started forming like a pattern, like I just started thinking back, what was the first transition? How did I deal with it? And for me, I wanted to get it over with as soon as I could. Like I wanted to deny what was going on. You know, I just wanted to get through it. I wanted it to be over with. I was very uncomfortable with there, this huge shift, something happening. And I just wanted to hurry up and be over with it. Um, and so that's what I was doing. I was wanting my transition to hurry up. I wanted to get to the point already. I already wanted to be there. I wasn't being patient. And when I dug further as to why I did that, it's because I didn't like being vulnerable. That was a big problem for me because growing up in trauma and, and, and I had some domestic violence when I was younger, it 
it just brought up a lot of fear, even though there wasn't any type of situation. I'm now, you know, in a safe place, things are different. Obviously, my parents are different, but it still brought up these things for me. So mm -hmm. it's like I'm, I'm saying all these things in the podcast and I have written down and, you know, I, um, I talked about this because I've gone to therapy and I've talked about this. And it's like, I'm going through like this dark hole of going deeper and deeper into that. But then me having to learn how to be vulnerable now under like my own terms. And what that means for people that haven't gone through trauma versus those who have, who want to have a future and a new identity and, and go through that. But it also recalls, you know, the past trauma, like the fear of feeling vulnerable. And what are those two, two things that mean different things to different people so for people that may have gone through something like that because we say so easy like you know just go and talk and, and just go for it like what would you say to those people that have experienced trauma and that vulnerability means something different to them how can they like own that again and feel safe build maybe either a community or a step plan or something so that when they are in that vulnerable place how can they get past that so that transition isn't as fearful for them or more pro problematic for them, if that yeah. makes sense? <laughs> Absolutely. It makes lots of sense. And I just really appreciate your transparency because there's a lot of people out there that experience this but don't say, hey, me too, sister. <laughs> so the first one is, is this. I, I, some people may subscribe to this idea. Some may not. So it's the idea that the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. And you're right. It's, it's patterns, right? That's exactly what psychology is. It's the science of studying human behavior and patterns. So if a person continuously needs help, is in that you know, vulnerable stage and says, crap, like I'm going through some things, but I'm not going to reach out, that's a problem. So the first and foremost is literally learning the skill of how to ask for help in a healthy manner. And the key word there is healthy manner. Because people will say, well, I do ask for help. But for some, it's until we explode. It's until we've already dropped the groceries on the floor and we're resentful and angry instead of asking for help since the jump from the get-go. And that's the key right there in the best tools I can think of for somebody that's going through these things that doesn't know how to ask for help, but more so learning. What's really helped me is knowing that my parents raised me the best they could with what they knew and what they had. But that does not mean that they had perfect parenting. There is no such thing. They came from a place of survival and needing just to make it happen because they, they are immigrants and I am firstborn generation here. So in knowing that there are gifts in imperfect parenting has helped me grow much more compassion for myself. The moment that we start to grow self-compassion and self-love, everything else will flow and it's much more easier to be vulnerable. If we are not able to be vulnerable, we will not have connection with others. We will only have attachment. When you know the difference is this. Connection is being with somebody, whether it be for a minute or an entire day. And when you part, you do not feel unwhole. You do not feel like you lost a part of yourself. In fact, you feel like you gained something from your interaction. Attachment is when you feel that you lost a part of yourself because you are so entwined with the other, but there's no real connection. Connection is knowing that you are whole. You have two whole people coming together to connect. And this is all wrapped into how we run our businesses. Knowing that you could stand on your own, but in a village, create something much more bigger. You create an empire with the help of others. 
I love that. Thank you for that. Thank you for breaking it down. And speaking of attachments and I guess me being vulnerable and open, I think um, I was aware that, you know, in a sense, even growing up, maybe because of the way I grew up, right, because of, you know, my parents and their attachment and what was going on with them, I always try to make sure, not perfectly, right, but not to get attached to a man, you know, just mm-hmm. to depend on myself and I got this and that was like part of my fear. Don't get attached to a guy like this is what happens. You know what I mean? That's not healthy. Um, but what ended up happening is that I got attached to being a mom and being a single mom. And I got to attach to my identity, um, to being my daughter's mom, right? Everything was driven for that. And in part it was okay because it allowed me to be very driven, um, to, you know, keep going because I was her mom and I needed to provide. And it allowed me to move up in the corporate world and do things that someone with the level of education probably wouldn't have been able to do. Like I believed in myself way surpassed what my abilities were. And, and that was a beautiful thing, except until my daughter headed off to college. Then that's when I realized that my unhealthy attachment to the title of being a single mom or being a mom, when she, when she left, it was very, it like did something to my whole world. Right now that she was gone, just like you were saying, it was like I lost something and it was something that I lost in myself because I had her so young. I never um, really like made time to form my own identity, you know, of being part of her mom, but like who, who really is Jacqueline, right? So in saying that and realizing that, and now of course understanding that through, you know, therapy and then my own like reading and, you know, doing all, obviously all this research and having women like yourself on, what would you say to someone who is struggling with that, who maybe has made a man or, or being a parent or, or their job, right? They lost their job and that was like their whole identity because we attach ourselves to different things. It doesn't have to be people. Um, what would you say to someone going through that? Like, how can we learn new ways of not being attached, but having, what was the other, the other thing you said? I'm sorry. Attachment versus connection. Connection. So that we now learn to have connections, right? And the, how we learn to maybe rebuild what we feel we have lost, like maybe even understanding like that we didn't lose that. What would you say to that? Yeah, I, I, I can only come from a place of personal experience on this one. And in my own experience of rediscovering my lost self, what really helped is understanding what part of me I lost in childhood. And a lot of people will say, oh, no, well, we're in the present. We're in adults. Yes. Inside every child or I'm sorry, inside every adult is this young child that still needs to be loved and connected and validated and be part of a group of the collective. We call it the lost self or the shadow self. It's the part of ourselves that we like to get rid of, deny, negate, or shame. It's a part of us that says, I am unworthy, I am not enough. And when we start actually discovering where that got rooted, where that started, we start to learn that it's false, that that's not the case, that we are worthy, we are lovable, and we are just fantastic. But it's until the moment that you actually learn the origin of where that came from is where you will discover there's a big difference between attachment and connection. So we are attaching to people versus connecting with them because we don't think we're truly able to be loved or to be valued by others. 
It's self-love in the end, but reading really helps. So one of the best books I have ever read on understanding attachment is Attached. It's by Dr. Levine. I love this book. I have it as a resource on my website. I've read it a couple times, and it really helps understand what your style is. When you know what your style is, you could let others know, hey, this is how I work. It's like love languages. So if somebody's insecure and you're secure, that may not be the best relationship there, right? So it's understanding what am I coming with. Second one is getting the love you want. Getting the love you want by Dr. Harville Hendricks. And he has a whole chapter dedicated to the lost self. And he thoroughly explains where and how we lose parts of ourselves that are so wonderful in childhood. So this is what really helps with that identity of understanding who am I besides being mama, besides being a worker, a wife, a sister, a mother, a cousin. It's knowing that you are whole, but you are also in direct correlation with others and you have a different relationship with everyone. So with some people you might connect and with others you might attach. But throughout this whole journey of, uh, of becoming an entrepreneur, a therapist, serving your community, and doing all this wonderful work that you're, that you're doing, um, so I have a two-part question. Um, the first one is, what do you think you gained and what do you think you lost? And then the second question is, how can we support you on your journey? Man, that's a wonderful question. I love that. That's like three, four parts. <laughs> so the first thing, uh, the first question is, what do I think I lost and or gained? Is that right? Yes. Okay. So the first thing I want to start with uh, what I lost. So the first thing I lost is fear. In becoming a psychotherapist and coach, what I lost was fear because the biggest thing is knowing that you were able to help others and really, really believing that. And of course, at the very beginning of anything, you're brand new, you doubt yourself and you're like, can I handle this? And for me, it's not so much of the financial, which is wonderful. Of course, we all have to put bread on the table. But for me, the biggest paycheck I get is when I had that person in session that says, Z, I was actually able to tell my baby I love them after 10 years. That right there is my paycheck. And that fear, losing that fear, is what helped me gain that. And what I have gained in doing the work that I do, because it's not so much of my career, but my work, it's connecting with others and helping them find their best selves, right? What I have gained is knowing that we have much more in common as humans than differences. And before I used to think, oh, well, you know, that person might not understand me. But at the core of it, I, I kid you not, over and over and over, after every session I have, we all have the need to be loved, understood, and the need to belong. These are the core values that people have. And if we are able to pick that up in every conversation and interaction, we will have much better love and peace in the world. So that is what I have gained, the understanding that we are much more the same than different. And in regards to other entrepreneurs starting, I think it's really important to connect with others, really get out there and people throw it around like, oh, you should network. But there's certain ways to network that are beneficial and others that are just networking. And what I mean by beneficial is coming from a place of how can I provide my services, my knowledge, my wisdom to others, come from a place of giving first, knowing that if you come from that place, everything else will flow to you. It, there's never a time where my higher deity, the higher power, I call it God, has not left me alone. They've always thrown at me what it is I need in that moment, including challenges. Because if I'm praying to have much more patience and compassion, they're going to send me challenges to grow that. 
And the last piece in how I could be supported, I think is just really sharing this, this or any other type of media that's out there for people that are looking to connect. As a Latina of color, that's a keynote speaker, coach, and psychotherapist, letting people know this is a service that's available, that there is not so much of a stigma with mental health when you find the right person for you. Can you tell us where we can find you? Absolutely. So my social media handle across the board for YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, for LinkedIn is Viva Therapy. So that's V-I-D-A and that's Viva just like life in Spanish. So I named it because I am a Spanish speaker, Viva Therapy.